On this episode of Serverless Chats, I speak with Natter Dabbit about amplifying serverless. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 28. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy Daly, and you're listening to Serverless Chats. This week, I'm chatting with Natter Dabbit. Hi, Natter. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having me. So you are a senior developer advocate at Amazon Web Services. So why don't you tell the listeners a bit about yourself and your background and what you do as a senior developer advocate? Yeah, sure. So um, before I joined AWS, I was basically a front-end engineer, mainly a mobile engineer for the last, I guess, four or five years before joining AWS. So I kind of come from a traditionally front-end background, but the team that I work on is the mobile team, but we kind of cover Amplify, we cover AppSync, we also cover Device Farm and the Amplify console. And uh, yeah, we have a couple of developer advocates, I'm one of them. And you know, our role is very kind of lenient in the sense that we don't really have you know a traditional role as someone might think of maybe a developer evangelist or something. And I think it's really team dependent on you know what that role actually means. But to our manager, it's kind of a way for us to kind of have a lot of leeway in what we do. So we can we can write code. Uh, most of the stuff we do is open source, so we can contribute to the open source. We can speak. We can write docs. We can write blog posts. Whatever we feel like uh, is going to contribute the most to kind of moving everything that we're working on forward, we're able to kind of you know attack that and, and work with that. Awesome. So speaking of things that you are trying to move forward, um, you mentioned AWS Amplify, which is this really, really cool project that uh, Amazon is working on. So why don't you give the listeners sort of a 30,000-foot overview uh, of what exactly that is? Sure. So the Amplify was first, I guess, introduced as a client, client SDK for um, web and for React Native that basically allowed you to interact with things like API Gateway, things like AWS AppSync, um, Cognito, much easier, I guess, than some of the, the old ways. So before you were using probably the AWS JavaScript SDK, we just kind of added improvements that were really meant for interacting you know, with these services from client apps. So the client was first introduced, that started game, gaining you know, steam pretty quickly. So we then introduced the CLI at the, uh, uh, I think the next reInvent, I think it was, um, actually, I'm not sure exactly when the CLI was released, but it was released after the client. And the CLI is something that basically allows you to create AWS resources in a similar fashion as you would do with something like CloudFormation or SAM or even something like the serverless framework. Um, but it gives just a different approach. So instead of having to kind of maybe do it in the way that you're used to doing it, maybe writing some CloudFormation or maybe writing some templates uh, with JSON or, or YAML, you can just uh, go to the command line and create and update categories versus kind of having to know what's going on with AWS. So if you're kind of coming to AWS as a newcomer, it makes uh, a little more sense based on the feedback that we've gotten uh, to use Amplify because they can say, hey, hey, I want an API. And in the background, we'll spin up an API gateway endpoint with some configuration around uh, a proxy to pass the event into a Lambda and we'll also generate the Lambda. So it's kind of an easy entry point for, for people, but it also is a very helpful way to generate, you know, a couple of things at once that kind of tie together. So the CLI, you know, is uh, another part of it. Then there's the console, which is something that was introduced at uh, reInvent 2018. 
Um, and the console is a hosting and CI CD platform that allows you to just kind of connect to a Git repo. And then we do the build and we deploy to CloudFront with S3. Um, so it's kind of a really nice way to, to deploy your web apps. We also have a lot of stuff that's been added over the last uh, year to improve that. So I would say that's kind of the main focus, those three things, the command line interface, the hosting platform, and the client libraries. So the, the purpose, though, of, of these three tools sort of working together is to build mobile applications uh, or, or web applications um, using something like React Native or just React or actually Vue and, and Angular, like there's sort of plugins for all that. So the, the point, though, is that Rather than you having to go out and use something like SAM or um, uh, or you know build all these things out individually with CloudFormation, um, that this is just sort of giving you a unified way to create both the front end and the back end, right? Yeah, I mean we have a lot of people that are actually you can, so there's two ways to kind of look at it. I guess you can use the client only and still use CloudFormation and SAM and uh, serverless framework, and we have a ton of people actually doing that. Or you can kind of buy into the whole framework and then use the CLI as your resource creation platform of choice. So you can kind of like go at it both ways. But yeah, the idea though is, is to build these full stack applications and, and to kind of, you know, we have a couple of main focus points. One of them is around uh, developer experience and the other is just around developer velocity. And I guess that could maybe tie into to developer experience. But we want to be able to kind of allow you to create things and configure things and deploy and, and try things out, experiment, you know, quicker than maybe you, you would have been able to in the past. So is that, so, I mean, I, I get that you can sort of break these things up and you can use them individually, but I mean, really what you're building, there's sort of a philosophy around a full stack development, right? Right, right. We're kind of, you know, we, we think that what we're doing is a little different than, than anything that's kind of been out there before, I think. And um, we don't really have, you know, um, something to compare it to, but we 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 talk about it in a couple of different ways. You know, one of the things that we we talk about is this idea of uh, full stack serverless development, where you're you know kind of a developer or you're a team or you're a startup or you're a company, and you want to be able to kind of enable a developer or a team of developers to build you know the front and the back end versus having the traditional maybe engineering team where you have kind of a back end developer and then you have a front end developer. We're kind of looking at it like what if a you know developer could just be looked at you know as a full stack developer like you know we we've seen forever but instead of kind of the traditional full stack developer where the the back end developer might be in charge of creating servers and creating a database and kind of like you know patching and and dealing with all of the different back end resources we could kind of take the serverless philosophy use that and then apply you know the front end developers and kind of like merge that together and um, you know, enable a, a single developer to build out these full stack apps, or you know, or a team. Yeah, and I I, I definitely love that idea because I do think there's a huge growth um, in front end developers that need the capabilities of the back end, whether it's simple CRUD apps or something like that, or or something more complex. Um, but serverless is always to me seem like a really easy entry point into um you know into that back end or full stack experience um but it's still hard right there's a lot of stuff that you have to do i mean especially if you're doing cloud formation even if you're using something like the serverless framework which makes these things really easy um it does uh it, it does still there's still some barriers there and some things that you need to learn um so what i really like about the way that the framework 
works um, is that you use a CLI, you can create these resources, you create the front end, create the back end. Those things are sort of tied together, but you definitely take a very opinionated approach to it. Right, right. We definitely do. I mean, you know, for for us to be doing, you know, the amount of things that we are doing and for us to kind of be enabling some of this stuff, we, we, we do take uh, an opinionated approach. But when you're building, you know, with Amplify on the CLI, all, all we're really doing is generating cloud formation. All that cloud formation is available in this Amplify folder. And we keep two versions of your, your cloud configuration. We have kind of like a development version and a deployed version. That's kind of what your current backend looks like in the cloud, like what is looking uh, like in your account. So we have the backend and we have the current cloud backend. Um, in the backend folder, you're kind of doing your development, you know, you're deploying. And then once the deployment is successful, we're tying that into the current cloud backend folder. So you kind of have, you know, a dev and a deployed version. But really all we're doing in those folders is generating that cloud formation. So we're not really, I guess, doing anything new. We're like, we're not creating any new services as far as the CLI is concerned. We're just kind of using the existing things that are out there, just a new abstraction on top of them. Yeah, and I think when you're doing the level of abstraction that you're doing, you have to take an opinionated approach. So, um, but there's there's ways to eject. You said you're just, you know, you're, let's say I go through this process, uh, I'm a new dev, or maybe I'm an experienced dev and I just want to get something up running or something up and running very, very quickly. Um, I can use the Amplify framework and the CLI, use the console, it, it all works together, um, get something up and running. But then if I, if I have to go above and beyond that, if there's something that the framework doesn't do, um, how do I, how do I, keep what I've done, but then, you know, keep, keep building on top of that. Yeah, I guess there's a couple of ways to do that. So of course, you know, Amplify being just a abstraction on top of an, an existing abstraction is going to be, you know, either, you know, because also we're, we're fairly new, we're going to be a little bit behind or a lot behind, depending on, you know, what you're trying to build the current feature set of something like CloudFormation. So, you know, once you start building with Amplify, you might run into a situation where you need something that we just don't offer. Um, you can either create your own cloud formation within the Amplify project, then you can run Amplify push, and this will kind of allow you to take what the CLI offers you versus, and then add that, add to that maybe your existing knowledge of cloud formation. Um, or you can just eject completely out of the Amplify workflow and you know, if you kind of have something and you need to, I don't know, maybe take this to the next level or, or whatever, you know, you see Amplify limiting you for whatever reason. Yeah, you can completely just take that and move that to whatever other framework that you'd like to use. Yeah, so so going back to the opinionated approach too, I mean, in terms of what the roadmap looks like for this, because obviously you're adding a lot of features and we can talk a little bit more about that later. But, um, you know, is this something where you see just keep adding feature after feature? Or is it something where you feel like there's a uh, there's a target market for this? Um, and uh, and that as long as you cover a certain percentage of use cases, that that probably is going to be the philosophy that you stick with. Yeah, so definitely target market. There is a target market for this. We're growing like super quickly. I think we had a 400% increase in community contributions around content uh, this year, 2019. Um, super big increase in like downloads and usage and all that stuff. And we're seeing, you know, a couple of different types of developers. We're, we're seeing the traditional AWS developer, someone that's been, you know, using and building with AWS for a while that is building maybe these full stack apps. So they're not just building the infrastructure, they're, they're actually building, you know, a mobile app or a web app. 
um, to them, this is kind of the, the easiest or the fastest way to do certain things. So they're kind of, you know, taking that approach versus, you know, well, or maybe they're just adding it to their, their, their toolbox. You know, this is just another option they have. And you look at the app that you're going to build and you decide, should I use serverless framework? These are all great options, I think. Uh, the other the other developer that we're actually really excited about is kind of this new generation of of cloud developers that we are seeing enter the space via Amplify. So a front end developer or a or even a, a developer that's using something that would you could kind of put in the bucket of competitor for Amplify that was scared to to use AWS is coming to Amplify, seeing that we have this great user experience and seeing how easy it is to like add authentication and API and kind of deploy this, you know, on this scalable infrastructure, something they've never been able to do before. They get super excited about it. And then they like tell their friends. And, <laughs> and so we're seeing like this new generation of traditionally front-end developers kind of like, you know, moving towards the framework. We're seeing the traditional AWS developers kind of add it to their, their toolbox. And then startups are really excited about it. Um, we just did a, a big week of, of events in, in New York, a three-day Amplify week. Busier, like we had more people show up that standing room only. Um, a lot of startups were there. They're really looking for, you know, the most efficient way to build, you know, in this day and age of expensive developers. And also, you know, the average, like if you're a startup and you want to go and hire a mobile developer and then you want to hire a cloud developer, you might want to hire a DevOps, you know, you start adding all these things, starts adding up. Um, what what we, we have today, if you kind of choose the right abstractions, you have things like React Native on the front end mm -hmm. where you can write a single code base and deploy across iOS, Android, and maybe even web. And then you look at something like Amplify, and if, if that front end developer or that mobile developer can kind of like learn how to use Amplify, they might, that might do, that might be enough for them to actually ship version one without having to like spend, you know, a million bucks, right? So right. The, the startups are super excited about it because of the efficiency and the cost savings of what they're able to build. And they're building on the same infrastructure, you know, that Netflix is building on. So that excites them as well, because if they're like, oh, you know, I don't have to just build a flimsy V1 that, or, or V0 that we have to rewrite. We're actually building on something that can scale. So I think those are the three biggest buckets of developers that are, that are pretty excited about Amplify. Yeah, and I and I and I love the the sort of serverless for startups concept too, because it's it's just one of those things where it, you're right. You build that first version, you can always add on to it, but you you just immediately have that scale, you have that reliability back there, and and then again, not to hammer on the opinionated thing, but <laughs> there are a lot of decisions that you need to make even with serverless when you're planning your backends and figuring out exactly how they're going to work. And you still have to think about scaling and think about um, you know, how, how your uh, systems are going to uh, behave under load, um, even if the backend scales for you. So that's still some decisions you need to make around there. And Amplify basically makes most of those decisions for you, um, which is, I think, really handy, especially for people who are not um, you know, who are not cloud experts, because again, that in and of itself is a, uh, uh, you know, might need to be a PhD just to figure out how some of these things need to work. So I think that's great. Um, you mentioned this idea of sort of on, you know, this on ramp to building these tools for production, um, you know, that they can get that V1 out there. Uh, are you seeing a lot of people using it to build like POCs or are they building, you know, version one that, actually goes into production and is, you know, is out there as a, as a full on production application? Oh, totally both. I mean, we, we, we definitely see both. You know, um, I, I would say the people that would be if you're like a massive 
corporation or you're like a big company and you have a big team of like established engineers, you might use Amplify to kind of build that prototype and then move to something that is is along the lines of your basically uh, existing you know development process, I guess. Yeah. Um, but if you're you know any company, I guess, and you kind of do want to build something, there's really no reason to I think at this point eject out of Amplify and and for any reason unless you really find the uh, the current you know way to get around some of the things that we don't support you know too cumbersome or whatever. But I mean, you know, going back to this week in, in New York, I, I, we had about a half dozen companies that were already have sh they've already shipped their version one, and they were there to kind of like talk about you know what their next steps are and to maybe just show us their apps and like a really really cool dating app that was just uh, they have a, a dozen people you know or so at that company and they're using Amplify and they've already shipped V1. It was it was really cool to see to see that type of stuff you know. So we're seeing you know we're definitely seeing a little bit of both. That's amazing. Um, so, all right, so let's get into the to the framework itself. Um, I, all these things work together. You mentioned the framework and the CLI and the and the console itself. Um, but just the 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 framework, the development experience. I'd like to talk sort of about what that workflow is. Um, sort of the tool the tool chains that you have in place. Um, so maybe we start with sort of the basic thing here. You just you go to the console. You type in Amplify, right? You just just to get started, right? How how do you get started with this? Yeah, so there's a couple of different ways. If you do go to the AWS console and you type in Amplify, we have you know a feature, or I'm sorry, we have a service, I guess, in the console. And you'll have two different links that you can click there. One is going to take you to the Amplify console, which is the service. But the other link is actually going to take you to our open source framework landing page, which has all of the stuff around uh, the open source projects, which are the client and the CLI. So to get started, you could uh, you know you could go to the AWS console and find us there. You could just Google it, and and you know the first thing that that pops up is going to be uh, the framework you know landing page for the open source. So um, yeah, if you're just if, if someone's just getting started, typically they'll they'll find us through you know whatever means of a blog post or maybe uh, a reference or, or just searching I guess on Google, and um, typically you know they'll then kind of decide which platform that they want to see see the information for for their docs. And you know, we really have uh, four main buckets, I guess you could say, of developers. We have, as far as the platform on the front end is concerned, we have native iOS, native Android. We just released new clients, Amplify Native, Amplify uh, for iOS and Android on the client was just released actually in reInvent this year. We're excited about that. So there's uh, native iOS, native Android. There's cross-platform, which is kind of React Native, and we're also investigating other like uh, frameworks like Flutter. Mm -hmm. And then we have just web, and the web is is growing crazy too because you know we our team is AWS Mobile, but you know when we introduced this framework with JavaScript support, we thought React Native was going to be the fastest growing you know segment there, but web has actually been the fastest growing, and uh, React Native is growing too, but just the sheer number of web developers just outnumbers that number of React Native developers. So it's kind of like crazy. React, Vue, uh, Angular, Ionic, all of those uh, are the different frameworks that we support. We're looking at Svelte, hopefully in the, in the next, in the near future. So typically you would kind of like choose which framework you're, you're interested in. And then we have uh, you know a tutorial to get started where you create the Amplify project uh, within whatever framework that you're working with. So say for instance, React Native, uh, then you can add authentication and we have this two-liner that allows you to add, you know, a real 
production-ready authentication flow in your app in two, in two lines of code. And that, can, that, that usually is really like the light bulb moment where people are like, wow, this is like awesome. We're excited about it. Let's learn more. And then they'll go from there to maybe like a Lambda function and API gateway. Maybe they'll look at GraphQL with AppSync or maybe uh, S3 with storage, you know, just kind of uh, playing around from there. Uh, or uh, they'll investigate, you know, based on the app that they want to build, like, do we have the feature set that they want or not? Mm -hmm. Right. So, so that was a lot of information. So basically, really, the best way to get started those download the CLI is what you're saying, right? That's really what you want to do the most work with. Yeah, I guess there's two two types. So like, if you're if you want to if you want to get the whole experience, yeah, do the CLI. If you already have some AWS stuff you want to connect to, just look at the client docs. Okay. All right. So then. You've got the CLI. You said you pick your your sort of uh, the 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 front end of choice, whether that be you know um, React Native or or um, Web or something like that. And by the way, just in, in terms of, I can see Web being very popular because even a bank that I use got rid of their mobile app in favor of just using a mobile site. Um, and I think it's just because they didn't want to maintain all those different. Uh, all those different versions. So I, I do think that, you know, especially with iPhones and Android and things like that, that uh, that the web, the the mobile web, the web versions, platform. yeah, exactly, will be very, <laughs> will be very popular. So, um, all right, so you 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 start that, you, you, you get that sort of going there. You mentioned the components, right? So let's talk about components for a second, because this is kind of cool. You and I talked about this in the past. Um, so some of these components just add sort of features to the front end that allow you to, um, connect to backend resources, but some of these actually create, like you add them to your project and it actually will create front end and back end resources, right? Well, it's kind of, you know, uh, we have this category or we have this, you know, set of components that are UI components, user interface components. And, um, for those we have, you know, framework support. So we have just the raw JavaScript library, which means you could just use this with any JavaScript project. And then in addition to that, you can install additional framework components. So if you're using React or Vue, then you can NPM install these additional components. And yeah, they're they're kind of like a hybrid between front and back end in, in the sense that they're gonna scaffold out some UI for you. So we're gonna kind of scaffold out for the uh, authentication, for example, a sign in, sign out, sign up flow, along with things around multi-factor authentication and all that stuff. And from there, you can kind of like configure that. But it is opinionated in the sense that we're just assuming, you know, when you're using this component that, you know, we're going to be communicating with the Cognito backend mm -hmm. that you've configured uh, locally in your project. But yeah, we have those frameworks of specific components for things like authentication, chatbots, images, uh, you know, photo galleries and stuff. And, and they're kind of like a good entry point for people just getting started because you can just write a couple of lines of code and see something that looks really nice and that is you know ready to roll you know um all right and so then uh you have sort of a tool chain here as well where uh you add those category components um and then you can just you just type like add hosting and it will just <laughs> add add uh, add it to the console or add it to the uh, the amplify console yeah so like the tool chain is like its own category within the cli so we call we talk about the CLI either you know as a CLI or as a CLI toolchain quote unquote, and yeah it does it does quite a few things. I mean, for instance, with GraphQL, if you've ever written GraphQL and you've called a GraphQL API from your client application or from anywhere, you know you have to have the GraphQL operation definitions 
and you're you and with rest you call like a rest endpoint but with graphql you kind of pass in this ast which is the graphql ast which contains the graphql operation so you typically would have to kind of just write all that code yourself but the cli toolchain one of one of the things that it does it'll look inside of your graphql schema and then we'll just generate all that code for you and then we'll create a folder and like drop it in so that's kind of one of the things we call that graphql code generation uh, we also do lambda function generation so if you kind of want to have a lambda trigger for s3 or for cognito or whatever we can kind of like give you a boilerplate to start with you know we also have a lot of other lambda boilerplate generation for things like a uh, an express API running on Lambda or maybe even like a DynamoDB CRUD app. So if you want to kind of like get started with that, you know, there's just boilerplate that you typically have to write over and over. And we're kind of giving you a starting point. And then from there, you can kind of like update that. And that's mainly, I would say, what the CLI uh, toolchain is, is there for. Awesome. Um, and then one of the other library components that was added recently was sort of this AI ML that does like sentiment analysis. Right, right. So we added the the support both on the uh, back end on the CLI, I guess, and on the client for uh, this new category that we called predictions. Yeah, and predictions is pretty cool because it wasn't, you know, it, it basically just is taking advantage of all of the powerful stuff that's already there in AWS. And it wasn't a lot of work to get it working for us because all we were basically doing is kind of like, if you have an identity pool you know, within your project, or if you wanna create one, of course you could just run Amplify at auth and create one. All we're doing is granting permissions to interact with those different AI and ML services you know, within that identity pool. So that part was pretty simple. And then on the, the client, you know, we have added a couple of different you know, methods, I guess you could say, around this new predictions category. And from, from there, you can work with recognition, you can work with poly, you can work with, work with transcribe, you can work with, with many of the AWS or Amazon, you know, I forgot, depending on which service it is, the, the Amazon or AWS part. But yeah, all of these different ML and AI categories. And uh, I demoed this for the first time at an event in New York, actually this week again, back to that event. And people were just blown away. And it's been one of our fastest growing categories too. Mm -hmm. Because you know it's it's just really simple to do, and a lot of people are interested in this stuff. People are building apps around uh, you know medical data and stuff with uh, with a lot of this text transcription and, and and reading text off of uh, documents. Mm -hmm. So people are pretty excited about this entry point because it's kind of easier, in my opinion, to get up and running with than if you like walk through the AWS console and, and try to figure a way to actually integrate this into your app. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's just it's it just goes back to this idea of making it super simple and easy to do this integration because, um, you know, again, it's not hard necessarily to set up uh, these things via the console. But if you want to put them, you know, infrastructure as code and and get the right cloud formation in place and then connect everything together and then you've got, you know, sort of the UI piece of it that sort of ties in. I mean, it's just a, a much better experience. So. So let's talk a little bit more about some of these other features um, that have been being added because uh, your team or you know the, the mobile team there is adding features to Amplify at like an incredible pace. Um, and one of the coolest things that came out lately was at reInvent, you announced um, the Amplify data store. Um, I spoke with Chris Munns about this and I think, I forget his exact quote, but I just, I think he said it's just awesome, but that I should talk to somebody else to, to give me the details <laughs> of it. Um, so, um, so I'm talking to you. So tell us about uh, the Amplify Data Store because this is pretty cool. Yeah, so it's kind of like the culmination of 
almost two years of work from, from our team. And um, Richard Threlkeld and uh, Michael Labiniak and Manuel Iglesias, a bunch of the, the people on the team have been kind of like either thinking about or talking about or working on this. You know, those are the ones that actually do the actual real work, by the way. And, and if, uh, if you're like or on Twitter, you know, it would be worth the follow if you're interested in, in, in this stuff because they talk about this stuff. But yeah, so Data Store is kind of like when we first launched the um, GraphQL support for AppSync on the client, we had a, um, a library out there that allowed you to kind of inter interact with the AppSync endpoint that, and, and, you know, we ended up using, we ended up having two uh, available options actually. We had one from Amplify and then we had one from a separate SDK that was kind of a fork of the Apollo SDK, which is a popular GraphQL library. Um, so one of the things that Apollo had built in was this cache. And the Apollo cache kind of allowed you to kind of work with some of that data in memory locally. Um, so instead of kind of like having to query from the back end, you could kind of query from that cache. Um, and then we kind of enhanced that by adding offline support. But the limitations that we kind of started running into with that was that we had a lot of developers that kind of like started treating the cache as a store. And they wanted to do more complex queries on the store. They wanted to do things like query based on some type of predicate they wanted to maybe you know have more complex stuff than, than we could basically support because we were kind of working with someone else's implementation that we didn't really have control over also a couple of times there were breaking changes and stuff that they would implement that we would have to kind of go back and and figure out what was going on and kind of it just wasn't the best experience so the amplified data store is kind of like the next generation or the next version of that but it has you know, just a bunch of new features that we didn't have before. And I think uh, the idea around it is it's basically a single source of truth. It's a store that you kind of write to locally from your front end app. So if you're on React, you would just write to the store and you don't have to actually from then worry about writing to your back end. The back end and the client all sync together from this data store. So the way it works, I guess, if you're talking about like from the very start, like if you're if you're a user, the way it would look like this, uh, you you come online with your mobile or web app, and from there it's kind of like uh, imagine like a new a new build or, or like a new um, like view of the app. The user has no data right on their app, so we make that initial fetch to data store via via data store to whatever database you're working with. We get that initial set of data, so maybe you get like a thousand rows of data from DynamoDB. We keep the last sync um, timestamp on the client at that point. So we know kind of when you fetch that data. From there, we then have an observer that, that's set up that will then get any new data that's sent to that, that database and kind of like send it back to the client. So you have that new data coming in. So it's kind of like if you've ever worked with GraphQL, a GraphQL subscription kind of running in the background, you could think of that. Or maybe if you've worked with like PubSub or something like that, WebSockets. Sure. But that's kind of like all set set up for you. So whenever anyone makes updates, that data comes back and it's kind of stored for you locally. Um, also, if you go offline and then come back online, we use that last sync timestamp to then fetch from what we kind of call a, the delta table or the change table. And instead of fetching the entire data set, we actually just fetch the diff between when you went offline last and when, and when you came on last. So 
when we fetch that small set of data, you're kind of getting a more efficient update to your local device. But also when you're offline, you can actually write to your store locally and everything works. We make the optimistic update in the data store. You can kind of have all of that updated data. So like if you've ever used Twitter or Facebook or even Instagram offline, you can, you can still like stuff and all of that. And it, it feels right, like it feels like it's working. There's no, it's not gonna break. And then when you come back online, we send that new data back to the data, database via the data store. And you kind of have the conflict resolution and the conflicts detection also built in. And we do a lot of that stuff. Uh, we have a couple of different ways of, of doing conflict uh, resolution that you have the option of implementing. We have auto merge is kind of the default and that's kind of the new, the new conflict detection that we built in. And we kind of are taking the GraphQL schema and then the types that are whatever data that you're sending up. And we have a really enhanced version of conflict uh, resolution that will kind of make sure that even if two people write the same piece of data to the data database, um, maybe there's a field or there's a type that has three different fields and I change one field and someone else change another field. Instead of kind of like taking the last writer wins approach, we'll kind of merge those two objects. And that way there, the data is still, you know, up to date with both of our changes, but there's, you know, the user doesn't have to do anything. And you actually, as a developer, don't have to write any code to make that work. It just works. Yeah, and I and I think what is really cool about this, and also <clears throat> just so it doesn't get lost, um, is the fact that you know that sort of traditional approach was you would sync your sync your local cache or sync your your local store with the database, and even if there's some pushes and things happening, but there was sort of management locally on the client where you said, okay, well this is in the cache, this is on the web, or you know, this right, is right, online. you had to keep up with like two sets of data, right? The this. The local data and then the data that you have. Right, um, right, yeah. And yeah. and what what this does is you just interact with the data store, right? So you don't even you don't even care about the web. You just basically say, here's the data store, here's my source of truth. I'll interact with this, and then Amplify will take care of syncing all that data to the cloud. So all of my updates will get pushed. All of the updates that will get pushed to me, that'll all just automatically happen. So I think it's just such an a, a, a huge, uh, you know, increase or a, a much better user experience only have to deal with that one um, particular thing. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. You, you're, you're totally on point with that. You're, you're writing to the da the local data store. You're no longer having to deal with, uh, you know, interacting with the API yourself, but you still can, you know, if, if for, for whatever reason, if you want to do something on the server, or if you still want to do something on the client, you can. Um, and then, and then another thing that's kind of a big part of this is that we've added, this query language to the data store itself. So you can call, you know, queries based on, you know, different, you know, predicates. So you could say, if this, I would like to, you know, query the data based on if this field is, is this, or if this field is that, and you can actually chain different arguments into that query. So you could say, I want to query all of the to-dos that are done, that are created by this person or something like that. And now you're just querying from that local data store and you're not actually having to send, you know, multiple requests to your backend. So you're actually maybe, you know, save, of course, the, the latency is going to be like much faster, but even you might even save some money because you're sending less requests. All right. Yeah. Um, all right. So if somebody took a look at Amplify maybe a year ago, um, there, you know, there was a lot of cool features in there. I think the project had a ton of promise back then, but 
over the course of the last year or so, um, over the course of probably just the last few months, um, so much has been added to it beyond just the the uh, the, the data store. Um, and these were things like the ability to do local mocking, um, you know, more auth- uh, authorization support. Um, you added the ability to do or to connect to Aurora Serverless, um, simplified OAuths that hold Delta deploys. Like, there's just been a ton of different things, instant cache validation. And I think that all has to do with really there being a good merger between uh, or a unification between the the framework and the console, which I think was a little bit disconnected um, sort of, you know, a year ago or so. Um, and that has kind of come together. So are there any any of these updates that have happened over the last couple of months or so that you think um, really, uh, if people looked at it in the past, are things that would be really game changers for them to, to look at the framework again? Totally the uh, multiple authorization types the um, local mocking and testing, the backend visibility in the console, the machine learning stuff that we've added. A lot of these things are the things that I hear a lot of good feedback from, from our customers. But like, you know, our, our roadmap is pretty much set by what people say that they want. So we're not like saying, oh, this would be cool to add or that would be cool to add. We're actually being like, okay, let's look today, you know, what people ask for and mm-hmm. tomorrow. And we're, we're like taking all of this feedback and we're prioritizing our roadmap based on what people ask for or, you know, customer driven. And I know you always hear about AWS and Amazon being like customer focused or whatever. Man, our team, like that's all we really are. are that's like one of that's the main thing that we that we care about is kind of what people are asking for. Um, of course, we're always kind of like investigating, you know, other improvements that we feel like our engineering team as engineers would would think would be additional enhancements. But everything that we've basically done is based on that feedback. So you know, a lot of the stuff that we do release is super, super uh, popular and we get a lot of good feedback just, just because we've had people say that they wanted that stuff anyway. And we just like go and build it. But like, yeah, we have and we have a pretty transparent process around it, which is pretty different than I think I've actually seen some, some parts of AWS now doing this. But like we have our uh, process kind of open in, in the GitHub repo. So you can look for RFCs or you can create your own RFC. And there you can actually talk about what you want and you can be in the discussion around what we're actually about to add. So if you see something or if you have an idea, you can actually maybe get it implemented, you know, so it's pretty cool. And, and a lot of people get excited when when they're in that discussion, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so I wanna move on to a slightly different topic because uh, you do a lot of work with GraphQL, obviously. Uh, and I see, I, I'm a huge fan of the one table design strategy or single table design strategy for DynamoDB. Um, and you wrote a post recently where you took, uh, I think it was the example that was on the, the best practices um, article or whatever it is on, on the AWS site. Uh, and there was actually 17 different access patterns that uh, you basically showed people how to do that in GraphQL, um, straight GraphQL, right? So I, like Lambda resolvers, obviously, I think people like to fall back on that sometimes. They might think it's a little bit easier, but you you set this whole thing up uh, all through GraphQL. Do you want to you know tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and this is kind of another feature that we added or, or that post was enabled by, you know, another couple of new features that we just added this year. So, you know, via the GraphQL transform library, which is part of the Amplify CLI, you could say. Um, you have the ability to use custom indexes and to kind of define custom keys and indexes, you know, using the GraphQL transform library. And um, I think one of the things that 
a lot of people coming to Amplify have as a question or a concern is kind of like when they're done with their Hello World project or when they're actually building their production app, you know, they're like stuck because they don't they don't know how to kind of take what they have and add a lot of this more sophisticated data access patterns that they might want. Um, and that post was kind of just a direct response and address addressing of some of that those questions, you know, some of those asks. And we put that also in the docs, so it's in the docs now. So you can kind of go there and kind of see that. So if you if you have like a business idea and, you, and you're wondering how can I model my database and how can I kind of leverage Amplify at the same time, you know, how can I actually build this? Going and reading through that might give you kind of some some good ideas, even if you're not using the exact, you know, data, um, the data set or whatever that we're kind of talking about there, mm -hmm. of course, it's probably going to be something different, but um, you can kind of use the ideas there and, and probably get some good ideas. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, all right. Well, listen, uh, Natter, it was great to have you here. You know, thank you so much for joining me. Um, if people want to find out more about you and Amplify, how do they do that? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. Actually, I'm a huge fan of this podcast and like I've, I've like looked up to pretty much all the people that you've had on here so far. So it's been pretty cool to be here. Yeah. So if you want to find me on the social media, Dabit3, D-A-B-I-T and the number three. And then if you want to follow Amplify, we're also on Twitter at AWS Amplify. So definitely check us out if you're interested in this stuff. And um, the Amplify site uh, on AWS is aws.amazon.com slash Amplify. Right. And right. you and you have your blog. We mentioned your blog. What, what's your what's your blog? If people want to read all those articles you do. Right. Right. So um, I used to be on Medium and I still have articles there. Dab at three. But I've actually moved my blog to dev.2. So you can go to dev.to. That's dev.2 slash dab at three. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much dab at three across all of the different social media and stuff. And also on GitHub, I have 270 uh, repos on GitHub. And I'm, I'm guessing that maybe the last, like 70 to 100 of them are Amplify stuff. So uh, dab at three on GitHub also. Awesome. All right. Well, I will get all that into the show notes. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. That's this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Natter Dabbit for being my guest this week. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 28. For more serverless chats, be sure you subscribe and rate the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you're interested in serverless and want to discover all the great new articles, use cases, and latest innovations from the serverless community, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.